Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Live from Sydney, Australia. Exclusively on Pro Wrestling Powerhouse Radio, this is Wrestling's Week That Was. Here is your host, Joel the Man O'Brien. Well, hello, wrestling fans. Welcome to Wrestling's Week That Was. I am Joel Deman O'Brien, co-editor of ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com, uh, coming to you like I always do from the land down under Sydney, Australia. And joining us, as he, as he does every single Saturday afternoon, is my friend and other uh, editor for PWP, Aaron Ramadamov. And Aaron, what's going on, and did you have a good week? Um, yeah, pretty good week. You know, good week of wrestling. And, uh, you know, you can just call me your better half if, if that makes you feel any better. Oh, man. That, that, that special moment here on Wrestling's Week that was. I really That's a touching moment. Thanks, man. Thanks for that, man. Yeah. Um, I, and apparently, just very quickly, uh, last night, uh, right now there's a video up on um, ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com. You went to a, 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 an indie show that seated about 1,000 people. Is that right? Um, I'm sure about, I mean, I, you know, I can't say for sure or not, but you know, there were a good amount of people there. Uh, you know, it was, uh, Northeast wrestling's 19th anniversary show. Um, main event was Matt Taven, uh, the NEW champion versus AJ Styles versus, uh, Matt Seidel, formerly known as Evan Bourne. Um, an incredible triple threat match. I have a video up on pro wrestling powerhouse, uh, the Facebook page and in the group, the Facebook group. So go check that out. It's about a six minute video. Uh, it's about like the the last six minutes of the video, so um, you know, go check it out. It was a really good show. We got you know a special appearance from Kurt Angle and Bully Ray and Velvet Sky, wow. a bunch of a bunch of great names. See, wow, that sounds like a good show from where I'm sitting. And and uh, as far as triple threat matches go, we'll be definitely getting into some triple threat action uh, this week when we get to our SmackDown review. But that's another here and there. First of all, this is tell us that we're going to tell you that we're we're going to be with you for the next hour and a half, talking all the major news, shows, matches coming out of the week that was, and we're doing it doing it exclusively on Pro Wrestling Powerhouse Radio. So we have a ton to cover today. We'll be talking all the major news of the week in, in regards to SmackDown, uh, the Great Kylie's release, uh, Roman Reigns taking a little, some acting lessons apparently from Howard Fine, uh, but also. We'll be getting to uh, Raw, uh, NXT, SmackDown, Impact Wrestling, and so, so much more. But before we delve into this week's topics, remember, we are currently on iTunes and Stitcher as we speak. So if you're looking for a practical way to help this show out and stay in touch with what PWP Network as a whole offers, 
download the podcast app on your smartphone and uh, subscribe to PWP Radio Network via both media platforms. It only takes one click to stay in touch with all the great weekly audio content that we provide, we and others provide, and really it helps us out immensely. So, um, obviously, I've been announcing during the week, we've got a big announcement in regards to my other show, which is called Wrestling's Rope Break, which is a purely internet uh, interview-based uh, uh, radio show. Uh, where we get to get it's just hour it's about an hour long we usually get to some really good great talent from the pro wrestling industry and Aaron um what's the big announcement what what what, what have we got going on uh, in the next uh, couple of weeks well we've got you know two big uh, interviews coming up we have uh, Matt Morgan former TNA World Heavyweight Champion and of course we have uh, you know multiple time WCW Champion uh, Diamond Dallas Page coming up we're going to be recording that interview wow. very soon. Um, so, I mean, it should be incredible. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, if you don't know, Aaron Ramadanov will be joining the uh, Wrestling Road Break team as well. So he'll be my, co- my co-interviewee. My uh, interviewer, sorry, interviewer. <laughs> yeah, um, from the, for the foreseeable future. And just know that we're not just going to stop at two interviews for the, for the next two weeks. We've got a, at least, I think we've got at least three or four, maybe even five uh, interviewees on the go we're trying to find them and trying to secure them for either this year or next or early next year and we're talking people from the from areas of like you know pro wrestling training pro wrestling journalism and obviously pro wrestlers themselves so keep your eyes open rest on wrestling's rope break if you're looking for a link or or, or uh, access to the archives just drop me drop me a, a link uh at uh, wrestling's r break Couple of W, capital R, capital B, and I'll uh, I'll point you in the right direction. So yeah, a lot of big big things happening for the end of this week, for the end of this year, and uh, for the start of next year in regards to wrestling's rope break. So keep your eyes on that. So Aaron, let's just get straight into the top news of the week. Obviously, the big news coming out of WWE this week is that we have pretty much the final uh, participants for the main event uh, secured. Uh, team Cena versus Team Authority. Obviously, it's a Survivor Series in two weeks. Uh, the one thing that's missing is a, a, a participant for each team. And uh, let's just throw it out there right now, Aaron. What, who do you think is going to be the uh, next uh, participant for Team Cena and Team Authority? Well, Team Authority, I think, is kind of still up in the air. You know, there was that poster that was um, leaked, apparently, quote-unquote leaked to the media, that uh, the last participant was going to be Cesaro. Now, of course, that doesn't look like that's going to be the case because it doesn't really make much sense. Um, I think the Authority are going to announce that Luke Harper is their final member of that team. I think, you know, he made a strong impression last week on Raw, and I think they're going to try to go for some shock value, and Luke Harper would be that shock value, in my opinion. Um as far as Team Cena, I, you know, they want you to believe that Ryback is going to be their final guy, and you know, I don't know how true that is. I don't know how true that that you know that statement is, but um, I think Randy Orton's obviously a possibility. I think Ryback's a possibility. Um, this past week on SmackDown, I don't know, maybe Chris Jericho's a possibility. You know, thinking about uh, their reaction, Triple H and and uh, Jericho's interaction on SmackDown. So you know, there's a lot of possibilities. Um, and I think that they're going to go for some shock value on Monday Night Raw. There might be a big surprise that no one sees coming, though. Sure. Um, again, I think it's a little bit too blatant that Luke Harper might be in the match. I mean, I'd love Luke Harper to step up and be a part of this multi-man main event 
program and the match itself. I mean, I think he would be a great addition to to the pay per view. Um, but again, like I just like with the Ryback situation, I think it's a little bit too obvious. And uh, at, the, at the same time, I've got to remember, you know, Survivor Series is free on the network. The whole point is to sell you on buying the network. Uh, come, come, uh, you know. Uh, Come TLC, Royal Rumble, Elimination Chamber, and of course WrestleMania. So I think the best thing they need to do is uh, is stock these last these last few slots with as much ta- star talent as they can. And that and that, and that my my pick is Triple H for t- for Team Authority, and Randy Orton for teams for Team Cena. Sure, you might get fans going and crying about the fact that oh you know like it's it, it's the same shit you know blah blah blah. But at the same time, they're trying to sell the network and trying to sell this pay per view. And I think. Orton and Triple H are the logical uh, uh, slots going forward. I think that's a strong point. I think Triple H putting himself in that match would make more sense than Luke Harper. And, you know, I think everyone's kind of speculated on that, but it's it's almost seemed like Triple H kind of distanced himself from that. You know, it, it feels like he's kind of not trying to... I don't know. I mean, maybe the interaction on SmackDown with Ryback kind of hinted at something, but... Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's very possible that Triple H could put himself on, on his own team. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, we'll see how this pans out. Raw next Monday. We never know what's going to happen on Raw, as uh, Vince McMahon has been advertising for the last like billion years. So we'll see what happens. Obviously, it's, it's going to be definitely a noteworthy show coming next week, and we'll we'll have it all covered on uh, Wrestling Week that was next Saturday. So keep keep in tune for that. Um, in other news, uh, so Aaron, uh, obviously, uh, our other news section is powered by coolnewswrestling.com. And uh, Aaron, uh, being the uh, editor and pretty much almost co-owner of the of the site, tell us, what's mm-hmm. what's the big news of the week coming out of uh, Cool News Wrestling? Well, you know, the biggest story, I guess, is the, the big release of former world champion, uh, the great colleague. Now, many were uh, rejoicing at the news of his release. Um, you know, I, I kind of feel bad for the guy. I, I kind of feel like, you know, um, you know, I think he did his best. And, you know, when he first debuted, he wasn't that bad. You know, he, he actually could move around a little bit. And his interaction with The Undertaker very early was, was a little shocking because, we, you know, we haven't seen a guy that big since the Big Show debuted. So um, I, I feel bad for him, but apparently he is gone from WWE. Um, and, you know, it's a sad story because he, you know, he's he just is so big that it's so hard for him to get over, and he just it's so tough because he's had multiple surgeries on his back, his legs, and it's just you know he's a big guy, and I just kind of feel bad for him. Yeah, I mean, those last few months of his career, anytime he he was in the ring, it was not about the fact that he was a bad wrestler because he was already a bad wrestler and very. But it was all about his mobility. I mean, he. He would he would throw a punch and almost fall o- fall over. It was very sad, almost sad to see. And and I, I was definitely thinking that Vincent Mann was going to get as much mileage out of, uh, out of Kali as he could, and I think he has. And uh, it's good to see him finally retired personally. And like and yeah, he did have, he did have a great mystique about him. I think uh, when he joined WWE yeah. and. But uh, as time progressed, you know, they they did the best they could with him. He's a former world champion. I'm, you know, I think he's had a good career in that regard, and he's pretty much done everything. So, great, Kyle. Well, it's been nice knowing you, I guess. Well, here's the here's the question I think everyone you know is asking is does he eventually get into the Hall of Fame? That that's like, you know, when I when I posed that question, everybody everyone's like, are you kidding me? You know, Kyle's just awful, but he is a you know former world champion big star overseas in, in India, you know, kind of an ambassador. 
uh, for WWE. Mm-hmm. You know, does he get in the Hall of Fame? If you know if the likes of Coco Beware are in the Hall of Fame, then why not Kali? <laughs> All I say about Coco Beware being the, on the Hall of Fame, I don't think we've seen, except for the Celebrity Wing uh, uh, inductees, I don't think we've seen another level Coco, uh, Coco Beware level person join the Hall of Fame, as far as I know from my knowledge, and I just don't see Kali joining. I think, obviously, he was a big star overseas. I'm not going to deny that. It's it, it's mm-hmm. fact. But I just... If he's if he, if he reached a certain stardom in WWE... And maintained it like like most of those legends have, like your edges and all that stuff. And I just, I, I, he never got there. And I just think that's 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 a that's a culmination of that. So eh, we'll see what happens. But we'll, to, to, just moving on, Jim Ross. Yep. Big news of Jim Ross coming out of uh, this week. Well, New Japan Pro Wrestling is going to be having Wrestle Kingdom Nine coming up in January, and uh, Global Force Wrestling will be uh, producing the North American pay per view for them. Uh, and Jim Ross will be doing the American commentary. So that's, you know, that's incredible. And when I heard that news, I was very excited because I'm very excited for Global Force Wrestling and their partnership Absolutely. with New Japan Pro Wrestling. So adding Jim Ross to the mix as a, as a commentator just makes it all the more better. The only question is now is who do they put with him to call the, the, the pay-per-view? Well, that's that's a good question. He's going to do color. Um what a coup for, for Global Force Wrestling and for this Tokyo Dome show. And just very quickly, just to show you how well-organized Global Force Wrestling already is and how well-organized New Japan Pro Wrestling is, the pay-per-views in January, we've already got six, six announced matches already, and it's not even January yet. That is foresight booking right there. And for that reason... I think this Tokyo Dome show is must see. If you got, if you if you have access to it, you can and you can get it. Get it. Uh, Jim Ross is going to be able to articulate the characters that you that you may have watched uh, before, but you had, didn't have the commentators telling you all the intricacies of what they're all about. I've got Jim freaking Ross doing the same thing. I think that's going to be fucking great. Excuse my French. I would almost <laughs> prefer. I, I would. I would almost prefer him to do it alone, wouldn't you? Like, kind of have him just kind of free reign and just kind of just talk. Yeah, absolutely. Just, just like Joey Styles did back in ECW, you know, like and he did and he did for years and years and years. I think that's definitely something that Jim Ross can do. Um, I thank God that uh, he uh, fought for the fact that he was going to to be live, uh, that he wanted to be uh, at the event, not recording it after the event. I think that's a definite plus for what's going to happen. And yeah, good things coming out of Global Force Wrestling. I think Jeff Jarrett maybe may have his uh, finger on the button in regards to this new uh, promotion. And Absolutely. CM Punk um, now apparently now apparently CM Punk's got a new venture that's ha- that he's uh, pursuing, and it's not pro wrestling. No, uh, he has uh, signed a deal with uh, Marvel Comics to do a uh, writing job. He's going to be doing one of the. Uh, Four comics coming out soon. Um, you know, I think this this news kind of cements to his diehard fans that you know he might not be coming back. Very yes. He obviously won't be coming back soon, but this might have put you know a stamp on it that he's never coming back and never coming to WWE ever again. So or, or pursuing wrestling again, he's found another career. So uh, this kind of puts a stamp on it. Personally, I'm happy because I think I think I've expressed my CM Punk feelings before. I'm happy. I don't want him back. I don't need him back. So I, I'm glad for him. I hope uh, I hope he does well in Marvel Comics. Yeah, I mean, like. 
good luck to him. Good luck uh, to him trying to uh, uh, go well um, and pursue something different. Uh, that's really, 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 really good. Um, but yes, evidence that he's coming back is completely diminished when when you see something like this. Of course, you could be a skeptic and say, oh, you know, like a few years ago, Chris Jericho would say that he's on a fuzzy tour. Then all of a sudden, he just suddenly uh, uh, appear out of nowhere and come back to WWE. But this is very extreme circumstances. Punk's gone through this huge legal battle. You know, we all know it. Uh, it's all over the internet boards. You know, this is, he's gone through a lot of drama. And I just, he's, I just don't see him coming back. Maybe somewhere down the line where he's got that itch again. You know, like, and he, because he is still physically able. He's taking time to heal. He's enjoying comics. And, and good luck to, hey, I would love to be able to write comics. I love reading comics. And, 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 and writing them would be fantastic. So good on him for pursuing his dreams. You can't get angry as a fan seeing something like that take place. Now, Roman Reigns. Well, yep, the next yes. news is Roman Reigns will be, is currently taking acting lessons from legendary actor Howard Fine. That's uh, good news, apparently, because, uh, you know, his backstage sit-down interviews so far, both of them, have been uh, not so great. So, um, you know, I'm glad for Roman Reigns. I actually liked his uh, his ability to talk on a microphone uh, before when he was getting his little push, um, or big push. Uh, I actually liked his kind of a loose, kind of, you know, laid-back kind of demeanor. Who knows, maybe that when we get a different Roman Reigns when he comes back with the, with the acting lessons? Hmm. <sighs> It doesn't hurt. I mean, Chris Jericho, uh, go back to Jericho again. He took acting classes when he uh, took a break in 2000, I think it was 2003. Was that, was that, was that, was that when he left? 2003, no, 2000. When did he leave first, Aaron? Uh, I'm, was it, I'm not sure. I think it was like, oh yeah, two, between 2004, 2006. Um, when he left, he actually started taking acting lessons. And, and, and we all know what happened when he came back. He became the, you know, that the whole uh, honest man character, had that rivalry with Shawn Michaels and his promos were awesome. So yes, acting lessons do help. And I think it's going to help, hopefully help uh, uh, Reigns get much more natural in his, in his execution. The problem that the Cesaros and the Reigns have faced is that they've got to read scripts. You know, like these huge, yeah. big scripts, and they've got to memorize lines. Hell, any kind of help that he can, he, he can get, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll welcome. Uh, but, you know, yeah, uh, I thought his promos were fine. They're short, they're sweet. Um, but I think that one thing you got right now in WWE right now is you, you got a lot of big, big guy, short, sweet promos going around. Mark Henry's doing them. Ryback's doing them. Roman Reigns to be—he's gonna to have to be different when he comes back. I'll just say that right now. If they're gonna continue pushing Ryback and trying to do something with him, mm -hmm. they're gonna to have to try and make it make this uh, monster character that Roman Reigns has got a bit different, you know? Yeah, I mean that's a good point. You know, I, that's why I was saying that I kind of like Roman Reigns as kind of a loose kind of—you know—it's a little different. You know, he's not always mad and running around like you know with, with a scowl on his face. He's actually kind of aloof and cool and you know always collected and. I think that was a nice change of pace for a guy that big. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when, when we get to SmackDown, we will be talking about that because there's a lot of good stuff coming out of SmackDown. Yes, SmackDown this week was good, and we're going to be getting into it later in the show. But uh, let's move straight on to the Raw Rundown. Aaron, uh, let, like, well, this show was a bit of a mixed bag show uh, as far as I'm concerned. Like, I, I felt like a, 
the the England crowd was uh, like yeah you, you were going to talk talk about the English crowd so let's let's just start with you. Uh, you know, this is no knock on the English crowd. I, I don't want to get a bunch of UKers just absolutely upset with me and messaging me or anything like that. But I just find that when when WWE is in England, the crowd's always energetic, always fun. That's I love that. I don't want anybody sitting on their hands uh, during Raw. But at the same time. I feel like crowds like that take away from the show in certain areas. Like, for example, during this show, I forget which match it was, but it was a pretty solid match going on in the ring, and they started chanting for JBL and, and Michael Cole, and like, they started doing this stuff. I, just, I don't like that. It really takes away from the show, takes away from the talent in the ring. And I feel like the Indian crowd is always energetic, always great, but they have their tendencies to kind of go off base and kind of take down the show um, and this isn't just the English crowd in general. It's a lot of, you know, crowds that think they're smart, you know, like the, the, the New Yorks of the world, you know, the New York, Chicago, those kind of cities that, you know, think they're smarter than all the casual fans. So they, you know, try to be like, you know, they, they try to take over the show in a sense. So um, I just kind of felt it a little, I just felt it was a little, a bit of a turnoff for, for the English crowd uh, Monday night. I think most of these crowds that we see, and this is coming from someone that was in one of those quote-unquote knowledgeable crowds. I'm talking about, well, pretty much every every Raw after WrestleMania is one of those crowds that we think we're smarter than everyone else. Uh, we were like that in New Jersey. We were like that in Miami. Not so in uh, Atlanta, but the whole point I'm trying to get at is that I think some shows are done in such a way that it makes you want to be there. This time around, because something, you know, like sometimes the crowds are completely just ran chanting random stuff and that gets obnoxious. And I think this show is a good example of that. Um, other times the, 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 the chants kind of intertwine with certain things and, and maybe this is but at the same time, I think I definitely see where you're coming from. Maybe this is a problem that's, that, that's uh, form formulating in WWE right now where crowds are getting too smart for their own good. And they're actually not just sitting down and watching what's in front of them and chanting within what, like, obviously you can do whatever you want at WWE events, but maybe crowds uh, going forward need to be more enamored with the product. But whose fault's that? Is it the audience or is it WWE's content? Well, I think it's a mixed, it's a mixed bag. It's a little bit of both because, you know, if the crowd's not into what's going on, then they're going to, you know, peel off into something else. But at the same time, those people that complain about, oh, the CM Punk chants and, you know, you know why they change CM Punk, like those people are the same people that go to those events and chant CM Punk. So it's, it's a, it's a mixed bag of, you know, you know, we don't want to say you can't share whatever you want at a, at a show because that, you know, that's not right. And that, that's the whole point of going to a show is being able to say what you want. Um, but at the same time, I just don't like it when it takes away from the product we're trying to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, well, I think we definitely face that in England. I think we've got a, we want China chant at one point. I was just like, guys. Please, especially when Ryback and John Cena were having actually a really good match, probably Ryback's best match since he came back um, um, in the main event, and they just didn't care. But well, but like getting into Ryback personally, mm. I'm happy that he's back. I'm happy that he's put effort into his in-ring work. I think it's much better than it used to be. Uh, when we get into SmackDown, I'm, I'm plugging SmackDown big because there's a lot of stuff that happened. But once we get into SmackDown, there was a promo there that really showed his uh, his range as a performer and how it's growing. And I'm happy for him. 
But the problem with Ryback in 2012 is that he was rushed to that main event spotlight way too quickly. Squashing geeks and then quickly squashing some mid-carders on the way to the main event slot was not the way to get Ryback ready for, for, for main event matches. And it showed. Now fast forward to 2014. He comes back and he's straight back into the main event as a babyface. Um, I just, I just think maybe the WWE might be repeating its own history here. I just, the, the one thing about Ryback is that he just needs that, that old school progressional rise to the top. If they do it right, like old school, like maybe he wins the Intercontinental Championship, has it for a while, loses it again, then moves up. Uh, call me old school, but I think it, it could work with Ryback here. They desperately need baby faces and they're, they're putting a lot of steam behind Ryback. Aaron, do you think Ryback is the choice, the babyface choice going forward for WWE? I just don't think he was rushed in 2012, and I just want to touch on that first. Is I don't think he was rushed. I think they committed to him. They, they said to him, we're going to push this guy because Cena's hurt, so we've got to put someone in the main event with, with Punk. That, that was the big problem, that Cena got hurt, and they need to put someone in there. They put Ryback in there, and then they just uncommitted to him. They when you set someone in that role to, to take the main event scene, you've got to be committed to them. You've got to say, we're going to push this guy. This is the plan. And we're not, we're going to stick to that plan. You know, of mm-hmm. course the rock ended up coming back in early 2013. So that kind of changed Ryback's course. I think if the rock never returned, I think Ryback would have been a WWE champion. So Ooh, that's, that's, really? that's a little bit of a problem. I think so. I think they would have, if the rock wasn't coming back, I think eventually Ryback would have beaten Punk. I actually think if 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 The Rock didn't come back, Ryback would have beaten Punk at home himself. But they had no choice because Punk versus Rock made a lot more sense than Ryback versus Rock, and no one really wanted to see Ryback versus Rock. People wanted to see the the, the streak of that title reign up against The Rock, and I think that Ryback just kind of got he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. But as far as Ryback's booking for Raw, um. I felt like it was unneeded. There was no need to kind of turn him almost heel in the, in the first segment and kind of leave yes. fans kind of wondering where his role is. I, I felt like you didn't need to do that. There was no need for it. Um, I think you could have easily told the same story if you just had him in the first segment kind of walk off and not really declare a side, then have each member of the authority come up to him and try to sell him on joining the authority, and then eventually at the end, have him just destroy everybody. You could, have, you could have told the same exact story without trying to confuse the fans on exactly where he is. Is he a babyface or a heel? And after committing to him as a babyface, you just turn him heel in the first segment of Raw. It just didn't make much sense to me. I understand, you know, I, I understand some of their logic, but you could have told the same story without doing that. Yes. Yeah, I 100%, 100% agree with you, Aaron, in that one. Uh, like they could have t- told the story of like where will Ryback end up by the end of the show? Will he join a Team Authority? Will he join a Team Cena? That's your so- show centric storyline right there, and you build up like as you said, like every, all the the Authority members coming into the to the his locker room, trying like oh great great to have you on board. That could be switched around by saying hey this is why you should join the team. And have it become more and more. You build up, you know. First of all, Kane comes in, Seth Rollins comes in, then Triple H comes in and does that promo that he did. You know, like yeah. the whole idea, like oh, more main events and whatnot, and like that. Yeah, that would be much more interesting and much more like keeps audiences glued. Uh, Aaron, did you get uh, in your cool news uh, wrestling uh, 
website this week. Did you actually see the raw uh, raw ratings for this week at all? I did not know. I didn't. I didn't get a chance to look at that. That'd be very interesting to see what it would be like, what 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 the quarter breakdown was, and how the main event uh, played out, and uh, see if they actually uh, gain or lost viewers in the main event segment. Because I, I swear to God, if they had the mystique of where where, where Ryback would end up, I mean, it'd be good. And now Ryback's in this little bit of a babyface heel uh, flux kind of situation, like it's just so stupid because like the fans were absolutely behind Ryback. I'm like. That opening segment, I got goosebumps just hearing that feed me more. And then all of a sudden, they're going to change him ba- a heel and then go back babyface. Mm-hmm. That's one way of killing the man's heat. But uh, I just want to make a point, moving on, just going into uh, what else happened on Raw. I'm a huge fan of Lana and Rusev. I think they're great together. The idea that she controls this Bulgarian brute and tells him to break the accolade. And now that he's the U.S. champion... Fantastic! It should have happened a while a while back. It's happening now. It's great. One thing I hated about the show was the fact that Stephanie McMahon pretty much went into this situation with with, with Lana and Rusev trying to get uh, Lana and Rusev onto Team Authority, and pretty much bullied R- Lana and Rusev into joining. That it didn't matter. It, uh, politics doesn't matter in WWE. Called Lana a tw- uh, like a, a, a ups up uptight Russian twit or something. And then there's this Rusev just sitting there like a dumb big guy just taking And in the end, they join the team. Even though in both segments after the Sheamus and uh, Rusev match this week, which was a good match, by the way, um, we got we, we, we got Stephanie berate uh, Lana and Rusev in both segments, and they still joined the team. They made them look like absolute geeks. Personally, what did you think about this, Aaron? I thought it was just—it was and, so stupid. And here's the here's the funniest thing is, we're supposed to believe that Rusev all of a sudden speaks English and understands English now, right? So in that segment, Rusev is just standing there looking off into nowhere, you know, like he yep. can't understand what Stephanie's saying. So it's it's Good like point. almost yes. intelligence that you know it was just—I completely agree with you. I think <laughs> you know Rusev didn't need to be involved in this. He should have been. I don't think he should be involved at all into the Survivor Series thing. I think you've just kind of committed to him as this U.S. champion. I think adding him to this this uh, you know traditional match kind of takes away from his his respect level going across WWE as far as his credibility. I think you know especially Lana. Lana kind of suffered to, at the hands of Stephanie McMahon. I understand that they are trying to portray Stephanie and Triple H as being desperate and wanting to build the best team to save their jobs. I understand that. I get it. But I think they could have gotten somebody different, somebody better maybe than Rusev as far as, you know, their team. I think Rusev needs to be kind of off on his own and yep. needs to continue to build toward the main event scene. I, I, I agree. I mean, like, like in past years, like if a heel in, in Stephanie's situation would be like almost uh, agreeing with the politics political views of the heel because like she's a heel she can kind of spin it and like and because that would be her way of convincing lana and rusev to join that was the old mm-hmm. school she didn't need to berate the this up and I, it completely it took away a little bit of heat uh, at least for that show on lana and rusev and that's something that they just don't need but let's just end on a positive personally what i liked about raw i did like the fact that 
the authority was a heel faction doing everything that they could do in their power to try and derail Cena's team and 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 uh, get people not to join Team Cena. I thought that was great. I thought that was really really good, well done. Uh, in nearly every segment, uh, the Stooges were out there and whatnot. Uh, very quickly, poor Jack Swagger. Do you agree with me, Aaron? <laughs> That guy. I mean, poor guy. <laughs> it just, like I think it was a record time of completely just shoveling somebody into the ground as fast as Jack Swagger was shoveling. Them. I mean, they gave no rhyme or reason to why Jack Swagger was taken off Cena's team. <laughs> I just feel so bad for him because you know a month ago he was he was in a big time match with Rusev, you know, fighting Absolutely. for America. And now he's kind of back down to where you know. Where he belongs, I guess. Absolutely, he, he completely overachieved in that segment. He took that. He took in that segment in the whole rivalry. Like, mm-hmm. he, like who ever thought that people would be getting behind Jack Swagger as they did? It was fantastic. And for those who don't know, uh, Jack Swagger was announced for Team Cena, uh, and within two segments, he wrestled Seth Rollins. And Seth Rollins pretty much cleanly, I will say that again, he's a heel, but he pretty much cleanly defeated Jack Swagger and hit him with two curse stomps. And uh, later in the show, in this random segment with Dolph Ziggler, John Cena just announced in a very muffled tone that uh, Jack Swagger was taken out. I, I, I had to, re, I had to re, replay it almost, but that's your raw review, everybody. It was a, a bit of a mixed bag show, but still there's a few little things worth checking out there. But Aaron, let's get straight into the NXT Weekly Awards. For those who are just very quickly wondering, uh, NX, uh, the main event quickie has been uh, discontinued until further notice. I think we've got a lot to get through. Let's just talk about the most important things here. Uh, if there's anything that pops up during the week, believe me, we'll 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 uh, we'll comment on it. But for the time being, the main event quickie is no more. So let's get straight into NXT, the Weekly Awards, Aaron. I th- very, very, very firstly, we're both in agreement that this show was awesome. Incredible. I mean, from top to bottom, just solid match after solid match, solid story progression for every single match. It made sense. Like, everything made sense and, and worked so well with each other. And as we built toward the main event, the, there was a big fight feel. You know, there was, like, you you knew you were oh, watching yeah. a, paper, a pay-per-view-worthy show i mean it was just it was an incredible show from from top to bottom absolutely yeah great show uh you know we had a day of atami and and uh and finn balor facing uh, tyson kid i marked out big thought we're gonna get finn balor versus tyson kid one-on-one but we didn't get that that's okay we had a good tag team match between uh tyson kid and uh, justin gabriel versus the new tandem that are obviously going to be versing the the uh the Ascension at, uh, I think it's called NXT Evolution. Is that right, Aaron? Uh, I'm pretty sure, yes. Yeah, Evolution. Cool. Uh, well, let's get straight into the awards, because uh, if you don't know how, how this works, we have three awards that we give out to the NXT uh, to the NXT show in some way, shape, or form. So we'll start off with NXT's up-and-comer of the week. Who is that for you, Aaron? My up-and-comers of the week is actually a tag team of Wesley Blake and Buddy Murphy, um, Lovely. They yes. were tremendous against the Lucha Dragons, and it, it really just goes to show that you know the, the tag team division. A lot of people think the tag team division in NXT is not very good, but you know Wesley Blake, Wesley Blake and Buddy Murphy, along with Ty Dillinger and Jason Jordan, are two solid teams 
that every time they're in a match, they perform very well, but they kind of go under the radar. Um, Wesley Blake pulled out this incredible uh, spot where he caught uh, Kalisto and kind of did a suplex, but it was a, an awkward kind of – it was really good. And I think the, that tag team um, is built slowly. You know, if the Ascension move up to the main roster and the Lucha Dragons eventually move up to the main roster, I think this tag team can move in in, in one of the best tag teams in NXT. Wow, that's a big call. Um, my my NXT up and coming of the week was not the team, but Buddy Murphy especially. Um, like the team was great. Don't get me wrong; I, I've been a big fan of them ever since I've seen them. I would like them to be getting a few more wins on NXT, uh, but obviously the the the, the, the division is still small. Like it's they don't have that many uh, tag teams, so we have to have some jobber tag teams here. Well, obviously, you could definitely just throw a random generic tag team together if you want to do a squash match. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Buddy Murphy, that's well, it was a springboard into a gear, uh, into a guillotine, and then he caught him and muscled him up just like Cesaro would do on 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 Raw SmackDown. Incredible, yeah. and I think there was also a great uh, tandem move in that match where the, they had Kalisto uh, uh, in a Mexican surfboard. And then yep. uh, uh, Buddy Murphy came off the top behind Kalisto and and got his knees around Kalisto's head and drove his face in the mat like a face buster with his knees. Awesome stuff, yeah. And at the same time, Lucha Dra- Dragons won, made sense, but at the same time, but the tag team looks good, yeah. Buddy, Bur- Buddy Murphy especially. I think Buddy Murphy, I'm, I'm going to plug my own country, I think he's from Melbourne, Australia. Am I right? He is, yeah, he is. He is. So yeah, hey, we've got some good talent down here in uh, in uh, Sydney, Australia, and I think I might have to check out the indie scene uh, if you're doing the same uh, uh, where you're from, Aaron. So yeah, uh, moving on, moving on to the NXT downside of the week. You know, uh, Aaron, I, I heard that you had a bit of trouble trying to find a downside to this week. Uh, I had I found one pretty quickly, but what what was yours in the end? Um, my downside, and like I said, I had really a, a lot of trouble finding one. But if I had to nitpick. Um, Sasha Banks's promo um, after her match, I felt like the, the the promo was just a little weird, and she didn't really have a direction to where she what, what she wanted to really say, and she ended it a little awkwardly, and she was out of breath, and it was just a little. And like I said, I'm nitpicking. The show is incredible. I, I had a really tough time finding a downside, but if I did have to pick one, it would have to be Sasha Banks's promo. But on the other hand, I'm really looking forward to the Sasha Banks and Charlotte rivalry as it starts to intensify. I think. Those two will complement each other very well. Yeah, I, I, it's good you brought that up there because I, I I didn't actually see it, but now I'm thinking about it. It actually made a little bit of sense. My my problem with Assassin Banks is primarily she's the boss. She's this like metro, uh, you know, pu- I guess a party girl kind of like, like that kind of look like that kind of upper class girl that's like you know always dressed to the nines every time you see her. Her promo didn't match her character. I think it was very a very straight kind of generic generic promo, and there was no real kind of fit in with her character. I still like Sasha Banks, and I'm still looking forward to her versus Charlotte eventually. My pro- my downside of the week was uh, Devon, the backstage uh, NXT interviewer. Now I think she's been there for at least six months. And I listen to Wrestling Observer Live. I listen to Brian Alvarez's show every week. And he's always talking about how hot she is and all that stuff. She's she's a pretty girl, don't get me wrong. But I'm sick of these announcers being 
these same lines, like like my guest is this time, subject A, and then they get like like okay, case in point, we've got the Sami Zayn, the fi uh, finally Sami Zayn versus Adrian Neville, right? Now, production-wise, they did everything they should have. They showed the match before uh, one year ago for the for the number one contendership. Great storytelling as now that Neville's the champion, you know. And then they have the interview. They interview both people leading up to the match. Classic booking, classic uh, way of structuring the show. I just the, the interviews were just lacking any kind of feeling because we had the generic. How do you feel going into this match? And like, and there was another one was like, oh, just so generic questions. And like, and Devin's delivery was just ugh. And there's no. There's no vibe behind uh, in the backstage area of Full Sail University. So that was my complaint. I, kind of, I think it kind of took away from the match. But then the match itself uh, between uh, Sami Zayn and uh, Adrian Neville. Well, we're getting into it in the match of the week. You have to believe that Adrian Neville versus Sami Zayn. You see it on paper. It's going to be one of the matches of the week. But uh, mm -hmm. moving on, uh, Aaron, MVP of the week. Who was it for you? It's got to be Adrian Neville. You know, he, he retained his title. He pulled out all the stops. You know, and, and it's got to be Adrian Neville because he is, and it's his character is kind of going through a weird uh, mix right now where fans are starting to turn on him a little bit. Um, and they're really trying to get behind Sami Zayn. Um, and, and now he's kind of not a full fledged heel, but his character is kind of, I will do anything to retain this title. And I think that's not, that's not either a face or a heel. That's just somebody that cares about their championship and will do anything to retain their title. And I, I hate to bring up my, my guy, Triple H, but it kind of reminds me of him where he would do anything, anything. He, he even said in a couple of promos that this title means more to me than anything. I think they're doing the same thing with Adrian Neville where he's valuing that title to be the everything he is. And I think that, you know, him pulling out all the stops, you know, kind of almost cheating in a way um, to win the title, I think was, was incredible. Yeah. Uh, no arguments there. Uh, I'm a huge fan of subtle heel turns, and uh, that's what they're doing right now with Adrian Neville. Uh, end of that match where he put his arm around, <laughs> put his arm around his best buddy, even though he completely just uh, deceived, he deceived and lied to his buddy, and just, just great stuff. And yeah, there's a very there's a little bit of Triple H in that booking. Absolutely, that he'll do anything to win the championship. But it's great because it's there's multi layers to that kind of ending. It's like, well, he's a babyface, so you kind of get where he's coming from, but. That's kind of slack. You don't do that to your best buddy. It's it's like spirit competition versus friendship. It's very a great storyline going on between these two, and the finish was fantastic to that match. But that's not my MVP of the week, Aaron. I'm just going to go with something a little bit different that was even better and even more important for a show like this, and that was the NXT crowd. I thought the crowd throughout the whole show was excellent. They were into everything from the opening match to the, to the great main event, those near falls, they were buying every single near fall. Crowds were going ballistic. And the one thing that made it even better when we got to the finals, that final little, uh, the finish of the main event, we had fans in that audience that were just hand on mouth, shocked and just crushed by the fact that Sami Zayn once again, didn't win the NXT championship. Uh, it just made for a great atmosphere. Uh, one of our writers, uh, 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 PWP's uh, Bill Shannon, apparently is is going to be applying for uh, and moving to Full Sail University to study. So 
Bill Shannon, I'm telling you right now, if you're listening, I'm very, very jealous because I see crowds like this and I just want to be there like from the get-go. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the NXT crowd's always spectacular. And like you said, the, 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 the wide camera shot of people, you know, holding their heads and in shock that Sami Zayn lost. And I think that's something that, you know, and I knew, I think we all knew that Sami Zayn wasn't going to win this match because I think they're saving this I think they're saving Sami Zayn finally getting the title for, you know, obviously uh, NXT Evolution. I think they're waiting. They're going to wait to kind of um, give him his moment almost, having him chase. And I was interested to see how they decide to do that and how they decide to. I didn't want to see a count out. I didn't want to see a disqualification. I was afraid of something like that. I really do like the way they handled the end of this match where you had Adrian Neville kind of, um, have an evolution to his character where, you know, we all know Adrian Neville can wrestle. We all know he, he can high fly. He can do all that. But now we have a little added characteristic to his character that we now know he is smarter than everyone else. And that, that that's a really yes. nice touch to his character. Absolutely. Great point. Great point. And, and that's what it's all about. You know, like, especially going through NXT, you're building these characters and getting them ready for when they debut on, on WWE television, they've got all this history that you, and all this footage as well that they can show in vignettes and show where they're coming from. And it's all about growth in WWE. One thing I'll just say very quickly, because we could talk about NXT for two hours straight, but one thing I just want to say about NXT, it's such chalk and cheese compared to what Raw and SmackDown are. Like, it's just, uh, what is going like, it, it makes me feel good as a fan because I guess Triple H is, is leading the charge and he's in charge of the decision making when it comes to the show like if if, if Vince McMahon's uh, God bless his soul if he ever passes away and, and, and Triple H takes over like if this is if NXT is an example of what we're going to experience on the WWE main roster we have so much to look forward to don't you agree? Well I think it, I wrote a whole article on this you know I'm going to throw in a cheap plug here but I wrote a whole article <laughs> a couple of weeks ago about you know NXT and the method behind the madness and I it kind of talked about Triple H's kind of booking style and you know he made a really interesting comment in an interview with Sam Roberts where he where Sam was kind of complimenting Triple H on his booking and, and how he handles NXT and saying that NXT is the, the best show that WWE of course Triple H mm-hmm. said thank you and, and all that but he also did make the point that we have to remember Raw is a three-hour live show, and NXT is a one-hour taped-in-advance show. So we've got to kind of um, understand that when Triple H does eventually take over and, and, and kind of write the show on Raw, it might be a little more difficult. I'm not saying he can't do it. You know, I'm a big Triple H fan, obviously, and I, you know, I think he can do anything. I think he can fly to the moon. But um, <laughs> I think you know, he, he, I think he understands that it's a different animal on Raw or SmackDown, you know, booking a, a two-hour or three-hour show opposed to a one-hour show where they where they tape the shows consecutively for, for weeks in advance. So um, I think that's something to keep in mind. But like you said, if, if this is a little kind of uh, sample we get from what we're going to get on the main roster in, in 10 years or however many years, I'm excited for it. Yeah. Um, cheap plug for the network, and we're doing this for free because – WWE is not paying us anything. If you if you don't have the network and you hear our reviews of, of NXT, 
get the network for NXT and just start start from there and work your way up for all the other great content that's on the on the network because this show is just it's 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 the bright star of my week when it comes to reviewing the show with reviewing all pro wrestling because we do it every week we review everything and sometimes sometimes Raw and SmackDown can be a bit a little bit long in the tooth and it can be a bit frustrating and I think NXT is one of the most consistent shows out there so if you don't have the network and you want to see NXT. This is the way they do it. It's fantastic. So, again, we could talk about NXT all week, but we're going to keep moving with this show. We've got a lot to still to get through. SmackDown. Now, I review SmackDown this week, and this is the, we break down the bad and the good of SmackDown. Now, obviously, the one big news story that was going around that was that Vince McMahon came out on during the SmackDown tapings. Obviously, this this didn't air, but he ranted to the fans and pretty much berated the fans for not getting into SmackDown's action. Now, obviously, I didn't I didn't see SmackDown until I watched it live last night, and uh, I have to say, maybe Vince McMahon's uh, very Vince McMahon was merited if the crowd was dead because I'm putting it out there. This is probably one of the best SmackDowns I can remember in recent memory. Now, how did you feel about it, Aaron? I agree with you. I think SmackDown from top to bottom was, you know, a pretty good show. I mean, it it, was, it moved very yeah. well. It was solid. It had a kind of, similar to Raw, it kind of had a storyline built around, uh, you know, Ryback and, and, and his interaction with the Authority. So um, I like, I really like, and we'll talk about this when we get into Impact, similar to Impact, um, that when they, when they take a guy and they build the show around the guy, we see a bunch of backstage segments and we see an interview here. And we see, you know, we, we it's kind of a, a whole storyline throughout the night. And I really love when they do that. Um, but I thought SmackDown was, was really good. And, and I think Vince also came out um, due to the fact that they were chanting, we want our network or where's our network. Um, and he kind of came out and addressed that. Right. Um, so, you know, it's just it really just bad luck for the network. I mean, you know, and something we didn't touch on in the news is that the network went down for a couple hours this week. And WWE had to issue yep. a statement about it. Um, you know, it's just, it's awful luck because they, and we were talking about the network during NXT, you should get the network just for NXT and the pay-per-views. I mean, $10 a month for NXT and the pay-per-views is well underpriced. So, you know, I just feel bad for them. They're really trying to get off their feet with this network. And, you know, I shouldn't feel bad for WWE because they're making millions of dollars. But, um, you know, I, I, I just whenever they seem to get some momentum with the network, something cuts them at the knees. You know, something happens to where they get horrible PR and it kind of ruins the stigma of the network. So I, I just kind of feel for them in that respect. Um, well... Again, the network is a, another lengthy subject, but I will say this about the network. I mean, I uh, kind of see where you're coming from. I don't really feel sorry for them in regards to in regards to storyline and in regards to getting people into WWE's product because I see this this month of November being one of the most important months for the network, and that they that WWE needs to fire on all cylinders to get people to watch the network to get to people to watch. A Survivor Series. Like, Survivor Series needs to be one of the best shows, one of the best shows of the year. It needs to be, because people need to be enticed to watch to watch um, uh, WWE's content. And right now, like, you know, like the lead-up to, to Survivor Series has been lacking. Like, sure, yes, NXT and, and, and the, the pay-per-views are worth it. It's price of admission. And yes, there has been a little bit of bad luck. But there's also been a lot of snarfs in regards to, you know, like... 
getting the network ready for uh, for the UK in October. They've been highly plugging it, and then then it doesn't work for them. Like yeah, like uh, there's a few things there, but we, we could definitely talk about this for ages. But I just uh, storyline content hasn't been up to snuff yet, as far as I'm concerned. Like I need we need to see something big in this go home show to really entice people to join the network. But that's just me. Um, but uh, the good is SmackDown. Let's just get straight back into SmackDown because. Uh, there was plenty of good, and this was hard to just limit it down to two exact points, but like whatever kind of like bad feelings I had towards Ryback's character development on Raw, I think it was completely redeemed on uh, SmackDown in the form of a great charismatic short 30-second promo at backstage. I mean, we saw so much character just oozing off, uh, off Ryback. The whole big guy persona is just, it, it's an awesome character. Who can't get into someone who's just like, yes, I'm the big guy and just flexing his muscles. It's just, it's a complete overplay on like that kind of monster character. And he was just so cool about it. I'm on Ryback's team. It's, that's cool. Once you hit that kind of cool level, you've got, you've got something there. And Ryback really kind of nailed it. And then to make matters even better, the final image as we went off the air was a, an intense stare down between Triple H and Ryback. Anytime like Triple H, got, Triple H still has that aura that you know once you know if a superstar eyes him off and has that intense stare down, he, he gets a rub. And we saw it with Roman Reigns. I think it was leading up to Summer, Survivor Series. So SummerSlam was that right, Aaron? SummerSlam. Yeah, as we were kind of we were kind of moving into SummerSlam, and that's when all the speculation started on you know Roman Reigns and Triple H for SummerSlam. That's correct. That's correct. And that we had that we got that kind of feeling, that kind of like oh, big match feeling. What if Triple H versus Ryback? It was very well done by WWE, and uh, and I definitely a Ryback kind of benefited benefited from that. But the star of the show, or the stars of the show, came in the form of uh, Tyson Kidd, Dolph Ziggler, and Cesaro. <laughs> they put together and executed. I'd say probably one of the best triple threat matches I've seen ever. Actually, I'm just thinking about it. What was a better, better triple threat match than this? I'm sure there, may, there might've been one, but Aaron, I know this is one of your big things too, that you loved about SmackDown. Tell us why did, why did you love this match so much? Cause I absolutely loved it. Maybe for the same reasons. Let's, let's see. Well, I just loved it because two, two big reasons. And we kind of touched on it before we went on the air is that, you know, I felt like, Having Tyson Kidd and Ziggler as the last two really kind of sold us on Tyson Kidd as far as, you know, a serious contender for the Intercontinental Championship. And I kind of was going to comment on how, you know, they're kind of, it's hard to explain, but, I, you know, a couple months ago, there were there were two separate Tyson Kids. There was a Tyson Kid that would come on Raw and be Maddie's husband in the blue tights and talk about his cast and be on the phone and stuff like that. And then there's a Tyson Kid in NXT who's a serious, you know, competitor in the main event for, for NXT, there was almost two different guys. Now they're kind of trying to, to make them one in a sense. You know, we, we're kind of seeing similar types now. And, and you know, now Tyson Kidd's actually getting some some good airtime on SmackDown, which was amazing and incredible. Um, and, you know, I think it was a nice twist that they were the last two, Ziggler and Kidd being the last two. I thought that was a really shocking, I was almost positive that Cesaro was going to be with Ziggler as the final two. And then Ziggler looking strong again. I mean, they have really yes. committed to Ziggler as a champion. And I think a lot of that has to do with Brock Lesnar being away and they need some 
sort of champion on their shows that, that looks strong, and I think Ziggler's the guy in there. And anyone that says that, you know, uh, you know, well, you know, Ziggler, he's always being buried and all that stuff, you can't say that anymore because he is being pushed to the moon, especially on SmackDown because, of, you know, Cena wasn't there. So he was kind of the focal main event star of that show along with Ryback. So I really like that they really focused on Ziggler um, on SmackDown. Yeah, they're, they're definitely putting some steam behind Ziggler as the Intercontinental Champion. Can't argue with that. I mean, it's, it's, it's definite. I mean, you, you see matches like this and, and, you know, the cage match with Kane last week and, and, you, and, and, and pretty much he and he and Cena are kind of almost like little mini co-captains together. Like, you know, Cena's always yeah. going to him and, 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 and that works well, but um, yeah, Z- Dolph Ziggler should be the, should be almost the number one contender for the WWE championship while Lesnar's away. He should be that kind of guy. But getting back to this match, though, like the storyline and the story that was told in this match was exceptional. Um, like, it's simple, guys. Like, Tyson Kidd has been winning on television. He's been winning matches. He beat he beat Sheamus on Raw. He's been he beat Sami Zayn twice uh, twice in two weeks on on main event, and I think he might have. I think he might have had a win on SmackDown uh, last week or something involving like yeah, I'm not sure exactly, but. It makes sense for him to be in this match. That's good. That's a good start. And then we get the just awesome wrestlers, you know, Tyson Kidd, uh, Cesaro, Ziggler, just pulling out moves you've never seen. And I'll give Cesaro all the credit in the world. There's something that he does in every single match that I've never seen before. Without fail. He pulls it out, out of the bag, and you're just like, holy crap, that was cool. Then they have it, as you said, it came down to Ziggler and, and Kidd. What better way to maintain the momentum of Kid by taking uh, by having him take the Intercontinental Champion to the limit? He's at that stage where he doesn't have to win. All he does needs, needs to do is have a great showing, and the commentators can do the rest. Like JBL was singing the guy's praises like nothing else. By the time uh, Kid lost the match, and they could and he couldn't argue about about Ziggler. The only nitpick that I will have was in the backstage segment before the match. They're showing this footage of all the terrible things that 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 Ziggler's gone through. Now, uh, being beaten, being uh, assaulted by Luke Harper, being put in a steel cage match, that makes sense. They've showed a clip with Seth Rollins and Dolph Ziggler wrestling, and where Dolph Ziggler had been like put into an Intercontinental Championship match, and they show this little footage of him getting curb stomped. Now, in the context of the match, for anyone that remembered that. Dolph Ziggler hadn't been ganged up or anything like that. He was just in a match defending his championship, and he came off like he was getting bullied. Did, like, did you see that, Aaron? And like, JBL was ripping into him all match, and I'm like, I can't disagree with JBL. You shouldn't be bitching about going defending his championship. That's the only gripe I had. Yeah, I, mean, I get that. I, I think the only thing is they're just trying to they're trying to sell that Ziggler's being targeted by the authority and. They're, they're trying to do, I guess, anything they can to, to, to sell that point across. Um, but yeah. that is a good point that, you know, he, he you know, you're the Intercontinental <laughs> Champion. You're, you're kind of the only champion that matters right now besides the U.S. title. So, you know, you have to defend your title. I mean, I, I get that. I understand that. <laughs> but at the, same time, at the same time, there's some hypocrisy with that at the same time because if you remember, um, I think who was it? Dean Ambrose when he was uh, U.S. U.S. champion, he didn't defend his yes. title for months. So it's it's kind yes. of a little bit of they've got to be consistent with that. They've got to be consistent with with 
it, it, you know, that's why I was surprised that Michael Cole didn't somehow bring that up or something. But um, yeah. I, I think that's interesting, and I think that they need to be a little more consistent with, with that kind of stuff. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just nitpicking. Like, like guys, yeah. go see this match. Like, it's fantastic. Easily one of the best matches of the year. I'm throwing it out there. But yeah, bad of SmackDown. With all good, there's always bad. But it was, it was again, like just like NXT. It was a little bit harder to find this time around. But it is, it is WWE main television. But uh, there's always something to complain about. Chris Jericho did uh, his highlight reel. Uh, now, obviously, that was great for the fans. We got a great reaction uh, straight off the bat. But man, did he come off generic? He came off like a generic 2001 Chris Jericho babyface catchphrases, something is Jericho, you know, Liverpool is Jericho, na 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 to the authority, you know, that, that whole song, and it just, I so generic, it was just like, eh. and to be honest, like Triple H, uh, if you didn't know, Triple H uh, and Stephanie were hosts, but so guests on the highlight reel this week on SmackDown, and uh, Triple H just gave this fiery burial promo almost, saying that, <laughs> that Chris Jericho actually asked to come on uh, SmackDown. It wasn't the other way around. And like Jericho's rebuttal was to sing the na, 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 hey, 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 goodbye song. He didn't actually have a rebuttal for that. And I have to say Jericho came off like a bit of a geek and his material was horrible this week. I think, I think we had this conversation off air that, you know, that's why I love the quote unquote reality era as far as, them trying to implement that a little bit, you know, and, and, you know, we saw a little bit of truth. I mean, that is true that Jericho calls Triple H when he's available and when, and Triple H will bring him back. So I love that they kind of dropped that little bit of truth into the, the, into the promo. And, and I love that when I love when they do that. I love when Triple H does that because it, it, it gives you like a little, a little nugget to, to, to kind of nibble on. It says, here's that here. Let me just drop that in and see if anybody picks up on that. So I love that kind of stuff. But I completely agree with you. I think Jericho came off very generic, uh, you know, kind of the same old shtick. And I, I, I've said it multiple times that Jericho's really lost his luster as far as somebody that I get excited to see. I mean, you know, and it's it's tough. It's it's tough because he comes back, he leaves, he comes back, and uh, you know, it's it's something. I think he needs to kind of not go away for a little while. But I think he needs to be a heel. I that is oh that yes. Is, uh, he is so good as a heel. I would love to see him come back and and target somebody like a Dean Ambrose and and go just straight up heel on him and and kind of be that you know be that rock star that comes back and says I'm too good for WWE, almost like The Rock in, in 2003 where he came back. Kind of do something like that. He needs something different. And him coming back doing the same old catchphrases, doing the highlight reel, just kind of doesn't get anybody going anymore. It doesn't get anyone excited. When I saw Jericho, I was like, oh, here's Jericho. I, I, I forgot he was gone. I, I really did. When they said Jericho's back, I was like, he was, I, I didn't even know he was gone. So it's really tough, and I think they need to uh, do something different with him as far as his booking if he does come back again. Yeah. I mean, very quickly on that reality era you, point you just made, I'm fine with them bringing up little reality here and there about that. But not at the sake, not not at the sake of uh, of killing someone's character or making someone look like a fool. I'm fine, with, like especially in Chris Jericho's situation. Um, like I just, yeah, I, I, I just felt like Jericho's one of your biggest stars. You know, what's the purpose of the segment? Like, 
Jericho needs to kind of leave the segment with his head held high to a degree or have his credibility there. I think he was kind of made out to be a little bit of a geek. I was fine if there was a rebuttal, like like Triple H said what he said, and then that Jericho would fire back with something, kind of put Triple H in his place. No, 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 hey, 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 goodbye was not exactly it for me. But uh, I think the last. Band, I think it might have been. Sorry, I think it might have been. I, mean, I think it might have been in, in, uh, improvised. I think because I think Jericho and Triple H are at the point where they can kind of just go out there and cut a promo together. I don't think they sit backstage and yeah. I think they have bullet points, but I don't think they sit backstage and go, I'll say this and you say that. I think that was an improv. Yeah, sure. I think it was an improv from Triple H, and I think he expected Jericho to come back with something. Jericho really didn't come back with anything, so. It might just be yeah, that Jericho didn't point. have anything to say, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe that's it. But um, the last bad thing I want to say about SmackDown, mm-hmm. I love Goldust and Stardust. I, uh, Cody Rhodes, Goldust, I love them together. I think they're a great tag team. We all remember in 2013 the the great, the, the great rivalry they had against The Shield and the Authority, the great matches they were having. We are so far away from those glory days because now uh, Goldust and Stardust as tag team champions are enhancement talent, other situations, such as Adam Rose and the Bunny. Man, these guys. Like, you know, I'd be fine if, like, Goldust and Stardust had a storyline that they were involved in. They had them, you know, had segments and had a direction. But right now they are directionless and they're they're just there. They might as well put the tag titles on someone else because they, they, since becoming tag team champions, they have done zero with the gold. And uh, it's just so disappointing to see, personally. Uh, they're such great wrestlers, and we saw some great matches with them against the, against the Shield, against the Usos. You know, like, you know, they should be doing much more with their time. But, um, Aaron, uh, let's go straight into TNA Impact. Was TNA good or was TNA awful? this week um well i think there's a lot of interesting points and interesting segments during tna this week and um i'm gonna go with tna good i thought that the show without okay. their world champion without their world champion i felt like was a solid show i think if you don't have your world champion on the on the, on the show they have to find a way to kind of uh sell this show in a sense and they actually had a lot of people gone uh who else was i said who else was off the show there were a couple of different guys off the show um but I think the the best part of this show for me was the the constant storyline around Bobby Lashley and his his uh, his just wanting revenge and just wanting to send a message to Bobby Roode. Um, I felt like it was really cool. I liked his attack on Spud and and um, and Eric Young. I liked the uh, Austin Aries versus Bobby uh, Bobby Lashley match followed by Lashley you know, kind of holding on and, and not letting go of the, the cross face, which is Bobby Roode's uh, submission. Submission. So I felt like Lashley, the, the storyline around him the entire night was really, really good. Um, and I hope that they continue with this. Of course, we saw a little bit of a preview for next week that we do see Lashley and, and Roode kind of get their hands on each other. So I really like the, the, the direction of this um, this storyline and the, the feud between Lashley and, uh, and, and Roode. Like uh, one thing I just I, I just loved. And it's just a little nuance, but the one thing I really loved is is Lashley latching on the crossface and just shouting for Rude, just like Rude, yep. Rude. It was, I, I just thought it was just really really cool. And, and he did it again with the uh, Austin Aries. Yeah, that uh, when it comes to the main event uh, title picture that, that 
they're doing simple good booking with this it's yeah. it's keeping everyone strong i mean the only thing that i just found a little bit deflating or not deflating but a little bit uh, uh i was expecting but we're now we're in a different direction i thought that bobby lashley was kind of turning heel sorry turning baby face in this whole thing i thought he was kind of like he was breaking away from mvp they were showing trouble dissension in the ranks between MV, uh, between lashley's crew and that he was going to become baby baby face but now he's back to just being an absolute bully heel he's actually more heel than he's ever been uh since uh joining rejoining tna and turning heel so yeah it's a little bit confused by that but um what else what else did you like about it because tna good there obviously was a few other good points yeah Absolutely, and I, I think before I move on, I just want to say that the one nitpicking thing I had with Lashley is that hat. I mean, that hat is god yeah. awful. What is that hat? <laughs> I don't even know what, what, what's that. What's that called? Or it's like a weird like pattern. <laughs> just it doesn't fit what he's wearing either. It's like a he's wearing a blue jersey with like some weird freaking hat. I don't know. But let's move on to uh, the, the next piece of uh, information that I loved from this show was James Storms' revolution adding Abyss and winning the tag team titles. I'm loving this storyline. I, I love yes. James Storm. I love him in this character. I love Sonata and, and Manic, kind of his, his his henchmen in a sense, or his, his cultees and just being behind him. I love that he's kind of focusing on Abyss now. Um, I just love it. I love it all. I mean, he's just doing so good with this character and really making it his own. And I really just, I love this this character. Yes, uh, currently up on the YouTube channel, actually, there's a uh, little, I think a little uh, 90 second promo that uh, James Storm did after uh, after uh, he and Abyss claimed the tag team championships. For those who don't know, uh, James Storm had was trying to recruit uh, no, uh, Eddie Edwards and who's the other one? Dave Richards. So he was actually he was actually trying to recruit Davy Richards. That's it, and uh, David Richards said no. And of course, we forgot that uh, Jameson had that feast or fired briefcase with the tag mm-hmm. team championship shot, which I actually did. Uh, that was a really really good little tie-in that we completely yeah. forgot about. It was a legitimate shock. And then, um, before you know it, uh, James Storm uh, recruited. Abyss to come down to the ring, and uh, they had the the match out of nowhere, and they became tag team champions. Complete great, great storyline. But the the promo that's actually up on YouTube on their channel was a great little promo explaining why Abyss uh, came back, came to his revolution, and how the revolution was the tag team champions, not he and Abyss. It's just really cool little things like that. I think they're really legitimate, legitimate, legitimate. I can't even say it. They put a lot of steam behind this this faction. Let's just say that. Um, giving it championship gold now, uh, putting Abyss in a role which I hear he has much more direction than he's ever had in the last few months. Uh, great stuff all around. I think this this is building up towards, and I'm predicting it right now, James Storm versus Bobby Roode for the World Heavyweight Championship mm, once Lashley that, is That would be way. incredible. And if they keep up, up the m- momentum that they're doing right now, it's going to be a really good program, just like you said, Aaron. Uh, but uh, what about Joe's injury? Because uh, Joe's out, out of action for I don't know how long for, but uh, this is a pretty good thing, don't you think? I think it's a great – I mean, obviously, someone getting injured is never a good thing. But I, I think – and I don't really know if he is really injured. I, I didn't hear any news about it. I think it might be just a storyline thing. But um, – I think Samoa Joe needs to take some time off, and you know I'm not I'm not one to com, com, uh, comment on personal appearance and, and being in shape, but 
I think Samoa Joe needs some time off and needs to drop some weight and, and come back. I felt like his promo, when I was just looking at him, it's just he looks really out of shape, and he was wearing jeans and a shirt. And just, I, I felt like he looked like a normal guy on the street. And maybe that's some of his appeal, but the, the Samoa Joe I used to love was the guy that was just a beast. He would come out and just submit everybody and just was a monster, and he he looked the part. Yep. Now he kind of just looks like another another guy, and I think he needs to go away – maybe drop 25 pounds and come back, you know, better than ever. They can throw him right into the main event scene when he's ready to come back. I, I really like Joe. I love it. He's great on the microphone, great in-ring performer. I just feel like the last couple of years, he's kind of, I don't, I don't want to say given up, but he's kind of let himself go in a sense. And maybe he's not caring as much as he used to. I would love to see him kind of drop some weight and come back better than ever. Yeah. Uh, I thought his promo, like his last promo before leaving, was was good, solid. Pity about the X Division Championship not really meaning that much. I mean, he, he his heart and his passion was there, was on show, it was obvious. But it's the X Division Championship. But as far as Joe's career goes, you you never like it when it uh, when someone gets injured. But uh, in this situation, he needs some time off and maybe he needs to kind of just rediscover his character and get in shape, as you said, and and find that luster, that uh, that uh, fire that he had back in the days where he wrestled AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels and was having those main event matches that pretty much put TNA on the map And because he's such an underrated talent when he's on. Um, Austin on his on his podcast nearly uh, nearly every month says how much he likes Samoa Joe, how much he would love to see Samoa Joe get to WWE and or do something like it on a main event scale. And Joe's a great talent, you know. Like, and I hope, hopefully he 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 gets uh, he gets fixed up very very quickly and gets back on television as soon as he can. Uh, but obviously with a, with a new character and a new kind of focus in mind. So I thought TNA was actually TNA good. Uh, this week, now talking about it, I think it was a good show. Teenage, uh, consistently good guys and girls. Uh, I had a conversation with someone on Twitter like last week about how I didn't like TNA. I like TNA, like, I, I just wish they had a little bit more competition and a little bit more steam behind them in regards to a fan base. But moving on, that's that is what it is. Uh, matches of the week, I think, uh, I'm just going to read mine out straight off. I think uh, we are going to be in sync this week. The third match of the week was Buddy Murphy and Wesley Bate versus the uh, Lucha Dragons. Great action all the way through. Um, second match for me was Sami Zayn versus Adrian Neville. And uh, the first match was Ziggler, Cesaro, and Kid from SmackDown. Uh, one of the best triple threat matches I think I've ever seen, actually. So at least in the top five, has to be. Great action. So what was yours, uh, Aaron? We are exactly in sync. It's, it's there you like go. three, two, one, exactly. And the one thing I really loved from the third match of uh, you know the Lucha Dragons versus uh, Buddy and Blake is that spot with Kalisto, and I've never seen something like that where he um, and even Alex Riley said he has never seen that before. And I don't know if you, you remember the spot where he is he hits the ropes and does and he bounces off the bottom rope and goes straight up and does like a, a spin and, and comes straight down. It was, instead of like a, a, a normal dive, it was really a, an awesome spot. And I really, I don't know, I love the Lucha Dragons. I love that the characters behind it, like Kalisto's, you know, he reminds me of a young Rey Mysterio. I mean, even maybe even more athletic than Rey Mysterio. I mean, he, this guy can go, man. Mm-hmm. And I, I, hope, I hope the Lucha Dragons eventually get pulled up to the main roster in due time. 
I'm I'm oh, I'm telling you right now, like he is he is the logical replacement for Rey Mysterio. He's young, he's yeah. agile, he's quick, he's he's on point. Like some of those dives, especially in the in the, the last few minutes of that match, he did this ridiculous yeah. spinning corkscrew dive within the space of the apron and the floor, and he just doing that, that that was incredible. Like, and then he's, got, he's got the same mask. Yeah, and apparently his English is fantastic too. Much better than uh, much better than Ray's ever was. So, you know what? Hey, hey! If he's got if he's got some uh, fire behind his promo and he knows what he's doing, he's 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 already proven in the ring. I mean, like I don't know if you've ever seen the El Generico Samurai del Sol matches because uh, 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 Gen- uh, Calisto was Samurai del Sol back on the indie circuit, and mm-hmm. uh, El Generico being Sami Zayn, they had some amazing matches. So the proof's in the pudding. It's there to be taken. Hopefully, uh, WWE runs with it. Uh, so yeah, that's our matches of the week. We're in sync this week, guys. Some good wrestling. Um, after Raw, I was thinking, oh, that's gonna have an, it's gonna be another week where it's gonna be hard to choose matches, but some great wrestling from NXT and SmackDown. So do check those matches out. So let's get into the podcast of the week. The podcast of the week this week is uh, the Ross Report, JR's uh, podcast on Podcast One. And this week he interviewed Alex Greenfield, a uh, former SmackDown head writer uh, with WWE from 2005 to 2007. Now, it's very hard not to, to uh, analyze and discuss some points that JR has brought up in his What's On My Mind section, which is usually a 30-minute section that runs before the interview. Uh, two massive points coming out of this interview. Actually, we've got some audio clips to kind of play you guys so we can kind of discuss them. This week, uh, JR had some very appointed comments towards uh, 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 Brock Lesnar's contract uh, status and the status of the WWE Championship. So let's just have a listen here. Still no new news on the contract extension or a new deal uh, for the absentee WWE World Champion Brock Lesnar. Uh, the company's primary title, in my opinion, has never been in such a tenuous state. Uh, it's, it's in limbo, for lack of a better term, that I can ever recall. Lesnar's contract demands aren't resolved by January 1st, in my opinion. Then he should lose the title at the Royal Rumble. Uh, how would the world react? I wonder, here's a question for you. How would the world react if it were U.S. title versus WWE title? at the Royal Rumble, the undefeated Rusev versus Brock Lesnar in Philadelphia, and the Bulgarian prevailed. Just asking. So what do we think about that, Aaron? I mean, like, I think when uh, Brock Lesnar won the championship at SummerSlam, the last thing that we would be thinking that would be that John Cena should win the championship back at the Royal Rumble. JR thinks it should be a, should be something that happens. What do you think? I mean, when he said that, and I was listening to it a couple of days ago, I mean, it blew my mind. I, it, It's such an interesting storyline, and I don't know where they would go with it. Um, and there would really be no babyface or heel. It would just be these two freaking huge guys going one-on-one, these two monsters. And I think that's, that's a really interesting point, and I think JR is onto something, and I, I doubt it happens. I really do. I doubt th- that we get to that point, but I would really love to see Rusev and Lesnar go one-on-one. The only concern I have with that match is, and it's no knock on Lesnar, um, but everyone he's worked with, you know, you can kind of list them, Taker, Triple H, Punk, Cena, 
uh, Big Show, you know, everyone he's worked with can can kind of not I don't want to say carry because that sounds like a, a kind of a a bad term for him, but kind of lead him through a, through a match. I, I'm not saying that Lesnar can't work a match, but everyone he's faced kind of can help him through that, you know, and kind of progress a story throughout the match instead of having Lesnar and, and just wrestle. And I, I think he needs someone like that to work with. I don't know if Rusev can do that. I don't know if Rusev can, can uh, help Lesnar get through a 20-30 minute match. But, uh, man, I mean, if you want to build up Rusev as this monster and if Lesnar is truly leaving, I think you have to have him put over somebody because you're almost transferring the power. You know, you're almost transferring Lesnar's legitimacy to whoever beats him. And I think doing that with Rusev would, would be incredible. I think Rusev would be, uh, you know, somebody that can benefit hugely. I think anyone can benefit from it, but I think he can benefit hugely from beating Brock Lesnar for the WWE title. Uh, I completely disagree with the fact that he's been carried. Brock Lesnar's been carried in these main events. I think he, he's he's held his own. Uh, he's held his own in all these matches. They haven't been the best matches. They haven't been the most technical matches. But the like like the, the John Cena one that we've just had. The, la- the last two John Cena matches have told a great story. Uh, Brock Lesnar's facial has been fantastic. His strength has been on show. Uh, it's, uh, I don't think he's ever carried. I don't. I don't particularly agree with that pers- perspective. He's not the Brock Lesnar from two thousand and two. I'll I'll mm-hmm. say that straight off the bat. You know, like uh, one one wrestler that reminds me of that right now is Bobby Lashley. He's very much like uh, Brock Lesnar used to be. Um, but moving on to Brock Lesnar. Rusev, it's a it's a cool little fantasy booking idea. Um, I'd love to see these two guys wrestle, but obviously, you know, like you'd have to make Brock Lesnar babyface. It's a bit unrealistic for now, but if if Brock Lesnar resigns, sure, sure, I think I could see a babyface Brock Lesnar versus Rusev and the championship change hands. Be a great match. But uh, in regards to John Cena, I mean, like, and the WWE Championship, I'm now kind of at a mindset where like maybe. John Cena as champion going into WrestleMania would be a bit more of an op, like a, a thing to do. I mean, if Roman Reigns is the ga- is the end game plan, and Roman Reigns is going to be winning the WWE Championship, you need to have him win the championship off a guy where the focus is going to be on Reigns and the fans are going to be behind Reigns. If you have Brock Lesnar as champion going to Santa Clara, California, and wrestle Roman Reigns in the state that he's in with the time that he has to build up his character. I'm going to be cheering for Brock there because I'm going to be there live near the entrance ramp. Like, I'm going to be cheering for Brock. And I think there's going to be a lot of international fans that are going to be the same. Um, what do you think about this? That's an interesting point. I, I never thought of it that way. Um, I, I think you have, you, you're on something as far as maybe if, you, if it was Cena versus Reigns, uh, you know, I think everyone would have no choice but to, to cheer for Reigns. <laughs> I don't think anyone wants to see Cena uh, retain, or if he is champion, retain at, at WrestleMania. Um, but I feel like, and if Cena does win at Royal Rumble, and they're left in that situation where he has someone has to beat him because his contract's ending, I think that would be such a waste of of the build of Brock Lesnar for almost over a year and oh, just having Cena be the one to, to beat him. I just, 
I think if you're going to do it, it has to be, like I said, a transfer of power. It has to be, well, Lesnar beat Taker. Whoever beats Lesnar now beat Taker as well. You know, it's almost like that. It's, it's, it's almost yep, like yep, yep. You, you transfer legitimacy to that next guy. And I think that needs to be somebody that can benefit from it. Cena doesn't need it. Cena doesn't need it. Uh, you know, and I hope they don't go that route. I really don't want to see that. But it needs to be somebody that can benefit from it, whether it's Ambrose, whether it's Brian, whether it's Reigns, whoever it is. I think it needs to be somebody young. I don't think Cena needs it. But like you said, if worse comes to worse and they need to get the title off of Lesnar because of contract situation, I think Cena is obviously the, their choice to do that. Yeah, well, we'll obviously see what happens. Like you know, it's only about two months until January, so we'll, we'll get we'll get a good idea of what's going to be like in the coming months. But uh, moving on to the next point, uh, as I said, this "What's on My Mind" section that JI does it's full of uh, really good points, and he just brought up a, another really good point about uh, ROH and TNA. So let's have a listen to that. I am still of the mindset that uh, Ring of Honor should have some sort of peaceful and mutually beneficial working relationship with TNA Impact Wrestling. Uh, They could use each other's assets and resources to help the other. It's not going to be promotion versus promotion. There's a lot of ways to skin the cat. It's not stealing talent. It's not doing all the old wrestling territory things back in the day or guys walking from WWE to Monday Nitro and all that stuff. But there's a lot of things that both those brands could do to help each other. And I think that uh, they're missing a boat by not exploring that if they haven't already. ROH and uh, TNA joining forces. I personally think this is a, a brilliant idea as far as I'm concerned. You've got the television exposure of Spike TV if they're able to like maintain another uh, deal with TNA. And you've got the wrestling in-ring talent. Uh, combining with the likes of Jeff Hardy and Austin Aries, go, re- rekindling his love with ROH and Joe and all these other people, I think it's I think it's definitely good stuff. What do you think? Uh, I agree with you. I think, like you said, the the TV exposure for for ROH would be incredible. TNA would be able to bring in some more talent because obviously TNA, you know, has a, a little bit of a lack of talent as of late as far as you know home. You know, they they have the same guys, so it's it's a little tough to kind of regenerate new storylines and bringing an ROH would be a nice, interesting storyline. The storyline options are unlimited. If you bring those guys in, even maybe a possible invasion angle, I think that would be incredible, you know, having just ROH guys show up and and kind of do something like that. So I think the partnership would be uh, incredible, but how realistic is that? Uh, You know, I'm not really too sure. Yeah. I, I guess the, the teenage life cycle and when that's going to end, if it's ever going to end, is a big factor for that. You know, a lot of things can happen from here to the end of the year, you know, in regards to teenage status and livelihood. And never say never in the pro wrestling industry. That's one thing I've, I've known since I've been a fan for 20, almost 20 years. So um, let's get straight into... Uh, well, actually, sorry. Alex Greenfield was the guest, everybody. Um, we didn't find any audio clips for this because... Mr. Greenfield has a habit of talking, 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 unfortunately. But like, he has a lot of really interesting points in regards to uh, his uh, relationship with The Undertaker 
and uh, his involvement with storyline progression and writing and stuff like that, how he came from Hollywood and uh, uh, earned the respect of JBL and Eddie Guerrero and how important that was to his career in WWE. And he also talked about how he, you know, how he dealt with Vince, uh, his many, many arguments, uh, how, uh, how you had to deal with Vince uh, on a daily basis. So there's a lot of interesting stuff like that. It's a really good little insight to how SmackDown was run during a time where it was pretty goddamn good, actually, uh, when uh, Ray was champion. So, yeah, lots, lots to check out there from the Ross Report with Alex Greenfield. Now, we had the our weekly visit to the vault. This week, I took over this uh, responsibility for finding uh, you guys a really good match to watch. If you are not already overwhelmed with the great amount of content that WWE produces already, <laughs> there's always, it's always good to look back at history and check out uh, a match from the past. And this week, I chose Eddie Guerrero versus Edge from SmackDown 2002 in a no disqualification match. Now, this match is easily accessible. Just go into the WWE uh, uh, YouTube page and type in Eddie versus Edge. It's the first match that comes up and it says full length straight on the video. So that is your indicator for the match you're watching. The story of this, this rivalry was pro wrestling at its simplest. Eddie Guerrero versus Edge. Eddie Guerrero was the established veteran. Edge was the up-and-comer. Paul Heyman has has stated on many uh, interviews and podcasts that his goal was to make Edge the was to make Edge the Ricky Steamboat of his brand, like to make him like the the wholesome baby face that everyone loved. That he was a good-looking guy that that was always hard fighting and whatnot. And this rivalry was kind of to elevate Edge to the next level. And I think it did a very good job if this match was any kind of explanation. Uh, they both had two matches, one at uh, SummerSlam of that year, one at Unforgiven of that year. Both won one match. How, how else can we decide? But in a no disqualification match where there's no bullshit, one decisive finish, the gimmick played into the, this, the gimmick of this match played into the storyline perfectly. And this is classic pro wrestling. The match was a fantastic, well-wrestled match. I mean, previous matches were missing a little of something, and I tell you what, the physicality is what uh, made this one special. I mean, like, they used a ladder. Uh, this was the match where Edge uh, injured his neck uh, really, really badly, and this was uh, actually this, this this was almost the beginning of the end for Edge because uh, this next sur- months later, he would need neck surgery, and obviously we knew that he, he was retired in 2011. So this is kind of the culmination of that. But getting into the match itself, I mean, the early story of the the veterans completely cutting off Edge every corner, uh, it was almost actually played throughout the whole match. Eddie Guerrero would always cut him off, hit a big move, top rope Harakarana, top rope superplex. Uh, But in the end, uh, Eddie Guerrero, sorry, Edge stuck it out like any good fighting babyface would do. I mean, there wasn't really any babyface or heel dynamic, Aaron. What do you think about this match? Because personally, like, it had a great finish too. I think everything you really wanted was here. Well, I felt like this match was like the perfect, if you wanted to kind of highlight Eddie Guerrero's talents as far as, and of course we kind of approached the, you know, anniversary of his death. Um, you know, I think he, you know, this was a perfect match to showcase Eddie Guerrero at his finest. I think, you know, it's an edge as well. I think it's kind of funny that you say that, you know, uh, Paul Heyman's vision of him was the, you know, the Ricky Steamboat and, and how that turned out. He, he's almost the antithesis of, of Ricky Steamboat, which was kind of hilarious. But um, I think, you know, they, they, this match was so well done. And if you want to find, a, you know, a solid Eddie Guerrero match, this is the one to go to. 
Yeah, absolutely, and and like it has everything for everyone. You want a bit of bit of plunder, a bit of a bit of a uh, bit of weaponry here. Like the ladders and chairs are involved, you know. And the finish was fantastic. I mean, like Edge on the top of top of a ladder, you spring use the rope, the bottom rope as leverage, and do the springboard implant DDT off a ladder. And like that was Edge's finisher at the time. And decisive finish. Eddie, Eddie Guerrero was busted open. Yeah, great match. Great match. So check it up there on, on uh, WWE's uh, YouTube channel and just type in Eddie versus Edge 2002 and you'll find it right there on YouTube. Now, Aaron, uh, spotlight question for our fans that are still tuned into the show. Uh, what question do we want to throw out to the fans this week? Well, of course, we kind of started with uh, the authority and, and Team Cena and, and what's going to happen, who's going to fill those spots. Now let's get into the, the outcome. If, if the authority lose, um, who takes over power? Who takes over as general manager or, or you know, chief operating officer or director of operations, whatever you want to call it? Uh, who takes over the power role on WWE or in WWE? That's a good question. I mean, like... Is there a power figure? What, what's going to happen? There's a lot of ifs and buts um, that are going to happen after Survivor Series, especially if the, if the authority loses. I can't really put my finger on what's going to happen. Uh, I think that's it's kind of a little bit of a selling point. There's always good to have a stipulation like this where there's multiple outcomes for future uh, future storylines. And, and this is a situation here. So, Guys, tell me, tell me what you, what you think. Who do you think is going to be in the power role uh, if the if the authority loses at Survivor Series? Uh, tw- tweet your tweet your comments, tweet your replies to uh, either me at uh, at wrestling at wrestling R break capital W capital R capital B, and Aaron, I think yours is Aaron underscore PWP. Correct. That is correct. Yep. Yeah, so, so, so to send us your comments, guys, let's start a discussion about that. Who is going to be in power if the Authority Survivor Series? Well, that's all, all we have time for tonight. As always, thank you so much for listening, wherever you may be out there in Radio Wrestling Land. And uh, thank you, Aaron, for your contributions tonight. And uh, obviously, we'll see you back next week. Absolutely. So obviously, if you like our points of view... Be sure to like our articles and, and head over to ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com and check them out. Uh, me and Aaron personally produce uh, about four to five articles a piece uh, every single week. And we edit at least eight, sometimes ten articles a week on, on a variety of pro wrestling topics that can be easily accessed at ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com. Uh, not only that, but me, uh, yeah, so just definitely check that out. Uh, if you want to reach us, uh, PWP at... Um, at Wrestling Arbre, capital W, capital R, capital B, at uh, PWP underscore Aaron, uh, for Aaron Randamanov. Oh, I almost, almost screwed up your name there. there almost. You <laughs> but oh. I got the almost. almost. <laughs> and uh, while you're at it, check out uh, at Team PWP for the Pro Wrestling Powerhouse Twitter page. Keep up to date with all the articles. But once again, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you on the next Wrestling's Week That Was. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.